What's going on, FA Nation? Justin Fetsterman here, along with Ryan Hallam and Matt Sells, and it's time for another episode of the Family Times Podcast. The family gets to hang out, shoot the breeze, talk some sports. And guys, I know there's not a lot going on. Just kidding. The start of the MLB season. Come on, guys. I know I'm with two big baseball guys over here. I know you're both excited. Sells, come on, dude. It's your time, man. How many stats after stats after stats have you been looking up, man? You're eating all that for breakfast, I'm sure. Uh, I would be if my Nationals were actually able to play. Uh, they've yeah, what the, first... by the way, that's your freaking fault. I can't watch my Mets because your team can't keep their health together. What's hey, that? Man. I don't know. I don't know who did it. I don't know. They were healthy all spring. Didn't have a problem all spring. Get back to D.C. It's that infested swamp in D.C. I'm just kidding. I used to live there. Um, residents ruin everything. Yeah, right? <laughs> um, so, <laughs> you know, um, got to see a Yankees game against Toronto. Didn't really go so well. That runner on second is a real goofy thing to start extra innings with a guy on second base. That's pretty goofy. Um, and with a, their their timely hitting, they didn't even get him in. Yeah, but the you know, yeah, that was awesome I, to get the fans back too, so Giancarlo Stanton could get booed for going zero for five with three strikeouts first, in his fair, first day. First day. <laughs> so that what was about fun. Aaron Judge? I I was actually watching that game, and a lot during the broadcast, the broadcasters noticed that. They were going at they were going at Aaron Judge very low. Apparently, he can't stay off of sliders. He goes after them all the time. Um, and I remember that he had a chance to drive in a runner late in the game. I forget if it was the ninth or tenth inning. They were going. I think it was Jordan Romano was going low on him, and then he just threw one right in there, a little high, sailed up at the end, and just he completely whiffed on it. Yeah, I mean, well, Judge is what six seven. The guy's pretty tall, so he's got a pretty tall strike zone. There's a whole lot of stuff down there that he ain't going to get to that looks, you know, real appetizing to just let go, and then it turns into a strike. What was it? Uh, Lance McCullers a few years ago in the playoffs threw, I think, 22 straight curveballs against the Yankees in the playoffs because uh, they don't hit breaking pitches very well. They just they mash fastballs. They just don't hit breaking pitches, and people are figuring it out, so... You know, congrats to everybody for figuring out Judge can't hit sliders. Um, hopefully he gets into the, the uh, batting cage and works on that. Cause... Wait, he's got to lay off him. That's the problem. He's got well, to Okay, but what, what happens if you get these guys up there that are throwing Frisbees that are constantly landing for strikes and you lay off him? And well, that's fine, him. but if he's going low, if most of the pitches I'm seeing are low and in the dirt and he's swinging away, they're going to keep going after him. He has to learn how to lay off him a little bit. Well, when that's low. true. Don't swing his stuff at the dirt, man. Right, that's it's, it's half the game with him. Ryan, that's how little is thing. going for you, man? I mean, two days in, everything's going okay. <laughs> My team batted around the first inning of their first game, which was nice as the Cardinals uh, took care of the Reds. Uh, none of my fans. 12 bucks for Luis Castillo for that lovely performance. Ooh, on the what, game. what was that ERA? That had to be, what, 54? That was gross. That was, uh, that was gross. So from a fandom perspective, it was pretty good. None of my uh, fantasy teams had any uh, big injuries through two days. So, yeah, I can't complain after that, right? So yeah. question for you two. Did Eloy Jimenez die? Yes. Oh, I, man. Did you see the tweet from the White Sox? I mean, yeah. I knew you were going to bring this up, Sells. I knew I, I had a feeling you were going to bring this up. And I get what you're saying there. But come on, man. Isn't it good to support your teammate? 
you know, okay, but you don't have to hang the jersey. You don't have to get it signed. You don't have to hold it up at, with the at batting gloves. day in the batting gloves in the starting lineup. He, he's done for the year, right? He's not come playing it all this year. Well, right? hold on. It depends on who you ask because there's some cute, <laughs> there's some some I don't know Latino trainer that he works with that says he can come back in three and a half months. Oh, everybody on. else says five to six. Right. I don't believe the three and a half months, but like five to six, you make the playoffs, he's back. The guy didn't die. Wait a second. I don't care if he is out for the year. It's his second year. It's not like Hank Aaron was out for the year. Someone with some long <laughs> history. He's had one year in the league that their team is that crushed. You know, the team that's never made the playoffs is that crushed because they're All missing right. a guy in the second well, year. How, let me ask you this. How? Okay, let me ask you this. Let's yes. say a player. Do you remember? Do you guys remember the Kevin Ware injury? From the NCAA tournament, or was it? Yes. Oh God, yes. He went flying, and his leg—you saw his leg. Yeah, that was gross. There. We don't have to go yeah. into detail. Okay, I had, okay. Well, maybe you know, cells. We're we're a podcast here. Maybe people don't remember that. You got to be. His bone was exposed. Right, right. So you know, plenty of athletes have suffered injuries, but we probably wouldn't even know who Kevin Ware was if he didn't suffer that injury. So my point. I honestly, I honestly didn't know his name until you brought it up. That's, right, but exactly. I remember it. And people felt really bad for him. And this, there were efforts, and people were giving him stuff like he perished. Let's say. So yeah. my point is that people kind of are, you know, I think that giving him the jersey, giving him the support because he's going to be missing five, six months of action. Young guy, a devastating injury, young in his career. I think support is nice. I think That's I think the, I think the go. point was it was similar to Tyler Skaggs for the Angels when he actually died. Right, right. That's my. They're playing a team who literally lost a guy. Whether you think it was self-inflicted or whatever the circumstances, right? Tyler Skaggs literally died, and then they played a baseball game and laid the jerseys on the field and tweeted out, "We will always miss you." Aloy Jimenez didn't die. He'll be back later this season or certainly next year. Right, you can be bummed you lost a guy, but like to tweet out, always remember you, like for now and always. That's like, bad. That's bad terminology. That is very bad terminology. Like, so you know, you're right about that. Is where I agree with you. The always remember should not be used in that regard. No, like it's I, just. I, I like the support for the kid. I just a little, little much. That's all. Also, by the way, how huge is Jose Abreu standing next to Yoan Moncada in that picture? <laughs> if you go check out the tweet, the guy holding the jersey is Jose Abreu, and he and Yoan Moncada literally comes up to Jose Abreu's shoulder. Right, hey, dude. Jose Abreu's a huge dude, and I don't think anybody really realizes that. Guys, let me ask you a question here because a lot of our audience and a lot of our subscribers. You know, that especially are casual and some that are rookie, maybe trying fantasy baseball out for the first time. How aggressive are you on waivers and when it comes to trades? I mean, people remember going back to last year, it was a much shorter year. And yet we have to assume that the audience changes every single season. So people now are accustomed to last year that might not have a lot of experience. So for let's just say a fuller season, how exactly do you guys handle waivers in the early going? Do you kind of sit on your team for the for a few weeks and then you make moves? Do you give it a month sells? Where do you stand on being aggressive and making moves? So I'm typically more patient and I let it ride. You know, I drafted these guys because I had confidence in what they were going to do over the long haul. I don't get caught up in, oh, this guy started. So like, okay, perfect example is a few years ago, Anthony Rendon was a big target of mine in my home league. 
I paid, I don't know, 13 bucks for him out of a $100 budget. Guy finished April with one RBI. One RBI. The number three hole or four hole hitter for the Nats finished with one RBI in April because he was just really cold. By the end of the year, he had 100 RBI, right? So it depends on, but I will say it also depends on who's available. In a dynasty league that I'm in this year, Michael A. Taylor was still on the waiver wire. It's a daily move league. I dropped Shogo, Aki, uh, Shogo Akiyama for Michael A. Taylor because I have confidence that Michael A. is actually going to do well, and I've been saying that for a couple of months. And Akiyama, who I kept for cheap steals, he's got a hammy issue. So I made that move because I didn't want Michael A. Taylor's hot start to get picked up by somebody else. Um but normally I'm a guy who lets it ride for a couple of weeks and just see. And then in terms of pitchers, like there's always this rush to go out and go, oh, this guy got the opening day save. He's going to be the closer. Well, no, maybe it was just a matchup thing, right? Like maybe they had two lefties coming up and the guy faces lefties better than the other guy that they wanted in there. So I'm more of a cautious guy, especially with a full-length season. We got a six-month grind ahead of us, fellas. So it's it's not like football where if you lose week one, you're kind of in danger. You got to make something happen, right? right? If you have a slow two weeks, you can still make it up pretty easily. Yeah, I'm actually very much agree with Matt there. I, I I and for almost the exact same reasons, most of the guys that I drafted, I drafted because I thought they were going to do something, and I'm not going to bail on them in a week or two, uh, just because they get off to a slow start. Uh, the last two guys on my bench, eh, maybe, you know, I still feel like every draft pick in baseball I've made for a reason. Most of the time, if it's a really deep league, okay. You know, maybe I just took a flyer and a guy at the end. Um, but so, uh, you know, there's a couple spots that might be fluid, but most of the time, yeah, I drafted a guy for a reason and I'm going to let it see it play out because I have some confidence in my ability to draft it and, and pick up some talent. You know, sometimes it burns you because, you know, somebody you pick up early does last the whole season. But uh, I think more often than not, we've seen guys get off to to fast starts and kind of fizzle out. Yeah, Yeah. like look at Aristides Aquino a couple of years ago. Everybody went nuts because he hit like, you know, six bombs in four games and everybody drained their fab to get him. And then six games after that, the guy couldn't hit the broadside of a board standing next to it. So you kind of got to, you know, it's not like the NBA where you can ride the hot hand for a little while and then drop him. Baseball's a little bit different sport than... I disagree with that. Why can't... Wait, why? How so? Because who... There's not guaranteed to be a hot hand left on the waiver. So all you've done is given up a guy you drafted that you had confidence in to get a guy who's a one-week wonder. And then what happens once he cools off? You're either stuck with him or you got to take a shot on another guy who may not pan out and the guy you originally had may not be there any longer. So like with the NBA, I feel like there's always a guy popping off for like, you know, a week at a time. Now pitchers, different story. You can stream pitchers, right? There's whole, we have whole articles on FA about streaming pitchers right. for hitters. I don't stream hitters for that exact reason. I, I hear what you're saying with that. Now, the thing with basketball is it, it all comes down to player health because rotations are sometimes 11 deep and sometimes with some other teams, they're seven. And that just depends on the coach and their style. But 
it really is injury dependent. That's what causes the hot hand. It's very infrequent that a player who was an injury replacement is permanently in the rotation with their allotted time that they were playing when the player returns. It's very, very infrequent that it happens. Now, it can happen. We've seen it happen. And I'll say this. Number one overall draft pick, Anthony Edwards, wasn't doing jack-you-know-what before all of a sudden D'Angelo Russell gets hurt. And then even more than that, you had Carl Anthony Towns gets COVID. You had D'Angelo Russell. He, get, he hurt his knee. Then you also had Malik Beasley get suspended for 12 games. So that was that first two, then three guys out of the way. He was able to finally get shots and finally get his rhythm, get the reps he needed, more playing time, longer leash. And now the guy's a contender for rookie of the year, partially because LaMelo Ball is hurt, may not play the rest of the year. But the point is he got his reps and now people are starting to realize, oh, this guy may be a decent number one overall pick after all. So I think yeah. that's where it happens. I would say with the hot hand in baseball, it could also come down to matchups too, like especially with a guy who who platoons. Like Jock Peterson is a great example, right? Guy does not hit lefties. Straight up doesn't hit lefties, right? So what happens if the Cubs play a week where teams are just lined up with lefty starters for four of the five games? Right. Jock's not going to play, and then you're going to go, well, that guy got cold that week. He didn't do anything. Okay, but did you look at the lineups? Did you see who they played? Right? And, I mean, Hallam knows this better than anybody. He does our projected lineups and, and projections. So, it baseball is a very fickle thing if you're trying to stream hitters. But streaming pitchers, anybody facing the Pirates is generally a good idea. <laughs> yeah, streaming pitchers is, a, is not only a thing. It's a thing, so much of a thing that, you know, teams uh, leagues that allow daily transactions have to make rules against it like that's how much of a thing it is but yeah you're right streaming streaming hitters is is a very inexact science and i don't think anything that if you're streaming the bottom of your your roster every every day or every couple days i think your team's in a lot of trouble now do you guys focus when it comes to waivers do you guys focus so intently and i'm talking in especially leagues where you can make daily moves you focus as much on two star pitchers i in in leagues where you have weekly transactions i do uh daily transactions not generally as much uh, you know i did start one that was only allowed three moves a week uh so there again that, that wasn't quite weekly trend you run into trouble with that sometimes because you, you get a guy who's on the fringe that gets two starts when neither one of them is very good uh, you know, and you sit somebody who's pretty decent or has a pretty good matchup. I mean, in a points league, maybe he scores you 25. You get a two-start guy, and he gets blown up once, loses your points. Uh, you know, so, so two-start. So this is, uh, you know, more is not always better when that. I think you have to sometimes figure, you know, focus on quality over quantity. So it's more of you, you got to play the matchups. I know Ivar Anderson does that uh, article for us. He does a very good job. Uh, if, if you're in a, in a shallower league where there's some, some decent pitchers kind of always sitting out there, it's a great strategy. If you're in a 14-team or, or deeper league, you can get yourself in some trouble focusing on the two starters. Yep, completely agree. If I've got a decent starter with a pretty solid matchup, but he's only getting one start, I'm going to keep that guy in the roster versus a fringe starter getting two starts, but one of them is not exactly a favorable matchup. He's going to have to pitch perfectly to pay off in two starts where the other guy might have some room for, you know, a margin for error. So it's, it's again, 
very dependent on matchups for two-star pitchers for me. Well, speaking of dependency, guys, let's talk about what players, because both of you, I'm sure, and just assuming, I know Ryan knew for a fact because your some of your leagues are posted all over the internet, but Sells, I'm guessing that you've been in multiple, you're in multiple fantasy baseball leagues as well. I'm only in one. More on that later. But for you guys, I got to ask you, who are some of the most common players on sprinkled on all your teams? It's actually a good question because so one of my leagues, I took over a dynasty league. So I was kind of, you know, handed a roster and then I had to make moves on decisions on who I was going to keep and not keep and um, whatnot. My other one, I was a, is a keeper league where I drafted most of the roster and then TGFBI um, is my other main one. So I would say, do I actually have that much crossover? On my rosters, I may not have all that much crossover on my rosters. I mean, I tried to get a bunch of the same guys, but, you know, got sniped uh, quite frequently in TGFBI. I was in there with, like, three people that, that we all kind of target the same guys. Nice. Uh, so, yeah, that was that was kind of fun. Um, I really wanted Michael A. Taylor in basically every league. I did not keep him in my keeper league because it was going to cost two fifty to keep him, and I'd rather go with Brandon Nimmo for three twenty five because I was more sure in Nimmo. Um, and then waited around too late in basically all of my other drafts to take Michael A. But then I just got him in my dynasty league, so nice. I'm up for that. Um, so yeah, I don't know that I actually have that much crossover. Like I was talking to Ronus the other night, and Adam Ronus, and I, he was like, I knew he had Trevor Rosenthal on a lot of teams. I'm like, bro, I'm sorry, bro. Uh, I'm like, your, I'm like, your dates are gonna have to wait a long yeah, especially time. Especially for, for pitchers, What's that? I try, I try not to overlap that much in pitchers if I can help it. Right. For that exact reason, because I don't want one team, I don't want all my teams getting tanked if one guy goes, you know. Hitters you can make up ground with, but if a pitcher goes down, it's a lot tougher to make up the ground if you lose, you know, a, a, a key pitcher. Right. What about you, Hallam? Any who are some of the common players on your teams, or did you? Go I, I, have, I have a no. I have a ton. I, I so any any auction I was in or salary cap league, uh, Fernando Tatis, you'll see on my team. Uh, Ozzy Albies, you'll see on my teams. The second base I found was pretty uh, pretty shallow. Matt Olson is a guy I've loved for years. Snake drafts this year, I was, and I'm in a lot of two-catcher leagues, which I don't like, but that's what industry drafts are, so I have no choice. Uh, Gary Sanchez dropped so much this year after his sub-200 uh, batting average last year. And well, I and ate, Aaron Boone telling him to get his crap together or he's not going to start. I, I ate that value up everywhere I could, uh, so I'd love to see his first at-bat homer this season. Uh, and Julio Urias of the Dodgers is another guy I think is, is really good that I thought was dropping in, in snake drafts and going too cheap in salary drafts. So that that's I have a I have a lot of crossover. So uh, Clint Frazier is another one, the Yankees outfielder. He was going really late, and it seems like he has an everyday job this year, even before the uh, you know ex- guaranteed Yankee injuries that seem to happen every year. So I have a lot of a lot of uh, similar guys on a lot of different teams. See, and that just shows there's not one way to do this. Sells, for instance, doesn't have a lot of crossover. Like I said, Ryan, he's got a ton of it. And that's all right. See, with me, I'm more of the Ryan type. I, I don't build 
when it comes to early round draft picks, I try to differentiate a little bit. But then when it comes to complementary pieces and ancillary pieces of your team, I try to have some similarity. That way, it's look, I'm not the one that has fun putting a chip on everything on the roulette table. Yeah, I'm going to win. But it's not fun when I'm losing all the other chips anyway. You know. That? Well, so I tried to get the same core, but it didn't because of the nature of my leagues, it didn't necessarily work out this. Now, I can tell you the one guy I always avoided was Trevor Power. Mm, me too. Yes. Did not. A lot. A lot still of Still don't fam- understand why he went as like the third or fourth. Bro, a, the lot of, a lot of the family FA are staying away from the Bauer. Let me tell you. I, Maybe I just work too much with Jen Piacenti, but. A lot of people staying away from Trevor Bauer, let me tell you, they were. Well, there's one guy I have on multiple, and that's Tanner Rainey. I have him on, on multiple different teams. You interrupted me to say that? Oh, my. Jeez. He's going to close for the Nets. Okay. Here's, 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 here's kind of the last straw for me on Bauer. When he was in the pre, uh, spring training, he's like, I pitched with one eye because I was working on things. Like, you're a giant effing douchebag. Shut up, you pitch with <laughs> one eye to try something out, you jackass. He's got paid $300 million. Throw the GD ball like a normal. Ugh, that did drove you see, me nuts. Did you hear what Scott Service, the manager of the Mariners, yes, said? I did. Oh, God, I love Scott Service. The, we all hit with one eye because we were trying something or and whatever. And tried to breathe was. through our eyelids. So nice. Yeah, the chakras and everything like that. Yeah, because Bauer came out and said, I wasn't really trying. I was just throwing to get my pitch count up, and then the Mariners lit him up, and I'm like... Absolute moron. Like, yeah, this guy's going to get lit up, and, yeah. and I'm going to enjoy every single second of it, and it's going to be hilarious. Yeah. Good, good thing you didn't go to New York. They would have ate him for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. That's why he didn't want to. Between some of this stuff and the ongoings and the social media battle between Michael Rappaport and Kevin Durant, yeah, it's just... Oh, and the Noah Syndergaard, the Noah Syndergaard and Trevor Bauer Twitter... Twitter feud too. The not a fraud. Wow. Guys, let's talk about, let's bring something to the family table here. And I'm going to kind of cut the line and start things off here because I I am in a, I'm in just one fantasy league this year, guys, one fantasy baseball league. That's it. I somehow survived the cut and I actually just played in one, but this isn't any, like any other fantasy baseball league. It's a new type of league an experimental. And one that I actually think could maybe lure more of the fantasy sports audience into fantasy baseball. It's a good introductory league. It's a points league. There's no draft. You do not draft a team. There is no pitching whatsoever. Let me explain how it works. Each week, there's 16 teams. Each week, you fill seven flex spots, seven hitters. And you can play, there's no limit on how many times, how many weeks you can put them in your lineup. They're in your lineup for a week. And that and that's, you know, that's what you get. And you get points based off the stats. Four points for a home run, for instance. You got one, you know, it's like standard points league scoring with monthly payouts too and a total. But there's no pitching. There's no waivers, trades. No, you say it's a weekly league. You set it for the week. You go in the pool of players. And if you want to pick, like the first round caliber talent every week, you absolutely can. However, there are more strategies that go into it. For instance, I'm going to be looking in that a league like that at the teams that play, let's just say, six games as opposed to five, because that you want more opportunity there. But guys, let me ask you this here, because 
I told Ronus about this league, and I brought on the creator of this league, my friend Phil Backer from SiriusXM, and which and then so he was eh about it. Jen didn't even like want to talk to me or even look at me after I told her about this league. Wanted to run it by you guys though for in, for an introduction to fantasy baseball, just to get new audience in there. What do you think of that league? So can you have the same people on your team as other people have? Yes. Yes, you so can. So it's like a weekly DFS league with no It's pitching. pretty much, yes. It, with and no, no salaries. You just no pick salaries. whoever the hell you want to. Yes. But here's the deal, man. Are like, th- player player gets hurt, you're, you're naturally screwed for the week. Yeah, but only for like a week. So Yes. I like to be naturally screwed. <laughs> I mean, uh, I, right I, I think it needs to be a little bit more rules than that. And I don't like taking pitching out because that is a really big part of fantasy baseball. But I understand yeah. because I, I do understand. I feel like fantasy baseball loses a lot of players and where fantasy football gains is because people, one, see it as a six-month grind and two, see it as you know monitoring your lineup every day. Uh, so I do see this as a way to grow some more people. I feel like a little bit more, a little bit more rules would would probably do it better. If you go from that to like normal, it's gonna be it's gonna still gonna be a lot. Right. That's my only problem is if you're trying to grow the sport and you have people go, well, I can just set like a DraftKings lineup with no salary, so I can get all of the most expensive dudes on the planet in my lineup every week. Then. They Remember, go to a regular. I, you guys don't, I this type of league is not for you. You know this league is different. This league I know, but but you're you're saying it's an intro league, right? It's so league, yes. my point is, if if now you have experience playing in a standard sure. fantasy baseball league, right? Yes. But my point is, if you get somebody that goes, okay, I can set a lineup and I can have the exact same players in it every single week. And somebody else can have the same players as me. And, you know, and then you go, okay, well, I've got my feet wet in fantasy baseball. I'm going to go to a standard, like, weekly roster move 12-team league the next year. And all it's of a sudden, they got to go fill nine pitching spots. Right. And they can't have the same roster as another person. Right. And you can't swap it out every single week. It's a huge jump. So I'm with You're Ryan. Right, it's jump, but it's a jump that people will make to just try it out. Maybe they don't like it once they reach the regular. But the whole point is, as an industry, we've got people being like, oh, you don't do, you know, especially I'm on the radio, guys, and I'm on an all-sports fantasy channel, and then people complain, you don't do any baseball and stuff like that. And then it's like, well, where's the audience? When we get to June, where's the volley caller volume and all that? Well, it's, and a, it's a chicken and an egg thing. This is the type of league sales that gets more eyes on your shit on fantasyalarm.com. Like that that's this league is to just get people in it for the grind. That's it. Right, but here's my question. How hard is it to pick the how many you said seven guys? How hard is it to pick the seven best bats for a week? Not 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 that easy. I have to look up matchups, dude. When I do when I do rankings, right? You got to look up matchups. The same way it takes me to it takes me to just do rankings hours on end because of that. Because I'm looking at matchups, I'm looking at injuries, I'm looking at how many times a team is playing in a specific week. 
Like it, it, it's a more than just going. Okay, right, but how far down, there. how far down the player pool are you ever really gonna look in that league? Right, like right. you're not gonna look below the top five in any position. And that's the one flaw in this league that I will say. There should be a limit on how many times you. Right, can there's no, there's that's no the one like thing. that's, and he knows it, and Phil knows that too. Obviously, Phil wanted to make it as easy, but like next year, if we kept this intro league. Next year, that's an addition that must be made. I am 100% with you on that. Outside because otherwise, you never get past the top f- three guys. There's no right. – I mean, I'd never look past Fernando Tatis. Right, but, but you know what? If you want to be different, if let's say your scores, you could look for a trend, more trendy hitter that's on the upswing rather than going with the chalk guy just to be different if they have a bunch of cake matchups ahead of them with crap pitching. Again, it's an intro league, and that's all I'm saying. So I'll – that's it for now. For you, Sells, what are you bringing to the table? Uh, I'll circle back to, you know, most of what we've been talking about. But, you know, the, the chat in Fantasy Alarm and, ML, you know, for MLB Seasonal and, for that matter, for DFS has been very strong to start the season. And for good reason. We've got a lot of quality talent here that writes and puts content out. And welcome back, Justin Mason, by the way. Back to the FA family doing MLB playbooks this season uh, for us. But baseball is a grind. It is the hardest fantasy sport to win a league at because anybody can get lucky for three weeks in fantasy football and win, right? You make one good waiver claim, sneak your way into the playoffs, and then your team gets good matchups, and for three weeks you become unbeatable and you win after having a so-so season. That does not happen in fantasy baseball. It doesn't. So it's going to be a grind. You're going to have to be attentive. There's going to be sneaky roster moves that are going to be made because, oh, this guy, the fourth string, you know, second baseman isn't getting as much playing time, so that means the third string third baseman is a better pickup, right? It's these types of things you're going to want to pay attention to, but we got you covered here at FA. So enjoy baseball season. It is my favorite sport. Bar none, it's not even close. NASCAR is getting there, but baseball is still my favorite sport. I will watch any team play any team on any night, as evidenced by the fact that I watched about six games yesterday on opening day. (laughs) Um, And not one of them was the Scherzer-DeGrom matchup we were supposed to get. So that's what I'm bringing. Enjoy baseball season. It is a grind. Injuries will happen, but... Take a lot of pride if you can win a fantasy baseball season because yes. it is the hardest fantasy sport to win for season long. And even it's not in even a close. league like mine still take pride. Ryan Helm, someone with a lot of pride. <laughs> what do you I'm bring not, to the table? I'm not sure that's true. Uh, I'm going to, as usual, take it a left turn, and I'm going to rant a little bit about internet security tonight. Uh, I was late to the podcast tonight for various reasons. Uh, so then when I tried to sign into Skype, I had to change my password, uh, which then I, you know, I've had to try to find what my old password was, and then I had to get the forget password, to which they had to send a code to my phone, <laughs> to which I had to try a new password, to which it had to, it had to be more than eight letters and a number and an exclamation point, and then that wasn't good enough, and then I tried a different one, and like, that was the, that was the third password you just used last Tuesday, and that wasn't good enough. 
And then I had to come up with 14 more things, and it had to be 72 characters and two numbers. And, and I understand that, you know, Internet security is a huge deal, and we don't want people hacking our stuff. But God damn it, does it have to be so difficult all the time? And I know it's only going to get worse, and I probably sound like an old man, but it just took me 10 minutes to get into Skype, to get into this podcast I was already late for. And I just want to use the same goddamn password that I used maybe three years ago. Can we not have the computers remember everything so I can just get into my thing again? And I usually don't like Yahoo, but I will give Yahoo credit. When I forget my password, they send an email, which I get on my phone. I click yes, and I'm signed in. And I don't have to come up. With I only have two kids and a wife and two dogs, and I've used all of them for all my passwords, and I've run out of ideas, so the internet needs to make it easier for me. And here's the worst part, Hallam, because what I did, and I'll say this on one of my passwords, I used my dog's name, and I would just change the number because yeah. this was on a server where I would have to change the password every three months. So I would just go up from like 10, 11. With the, but now, now when you have to change your password, if it looks similar, they won't let it through. And it sucks, let me tell you. And yeah, I have a freaking post-it note with every password, all different ones, when, what, 10 years ago, you have one or two passwords and you're good to go. Me and one of the tech guys had a whole conversation two days ago about two-factor identification and verification on things. Because I got a new... So I got a new phone a couple of weeks ago, and then... Uh, I had yet to put a screen protector on it, and I dropped it, assuming it was in my pocket, and broke the screen. So then I had to pay the insurance copay to get a new phone, which was fine, because Google's awesome. You just sign into Google, and it like, automatically uploads everything, and you're good to go. Except the fact that you then have to log in, like use each individual app for it to register having been used on the phone, right? So like I had to log into Outlook again. Which was fun because Microsoft two-factor identification is terrible, right? I had to use the phone authenticator app to authenticate the Outlook app on my phone, but the phone authenticator app needs you to authenticate it on the phone authenticator app oh to my make God, it work. This, hey, this is giving me a headache here. So then I had to call our tech guy to get it him to undo the two-factor verification till I could sign in and then he turned it back on so then I could get it on my phone and it was yeah it's it's uh, getting out of hand I get I that so much better now <laughs> I get and it's something we all are going to continue like you said it's not only going to get better it's only going to get worse unlike this podcast it just gets better like fine wine better with age better each episode he's matt sells give him a follow at the salesman on twitter give ryan a follow ryan Hallam. give him a follow at fighting chance you can give me a follow at fence d sports boys we'll be back next week for now keep dominating because there isn't any other option keep winning